Navigating the world of services for those with intellectual and developmental disabilities can be confusing. On this episode, hear from area experts who will offer advice and step-by-step instructions on accessing resources and supports right here in Johnson County. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. Parents know making sure your children have every opportunity to reach their potential and have the supports and services they need to thrive is a top priority. But when your child has an intellectual or developmental disability, getting the help you need for your child can be a challenge. But it doesn't have to be. We've got a great group of experts on this episode today to talk us through the ins and outs of getting services. So let's start with some introductions. If you want to tell us your name and your role, we'll go ahead and start with Mandy and then go to Seth and then Stephanie. Hi, I'm Mandy Flower. I am the Johnson County CDDO Director. Um, I oversee our CDDO and what we do is we provide IDD services to folks in Johnson County. We help with eligibility determinations and then oversight of the agencies that provide those services. I'm Seth Kilmer. I uh, also work for the CDDO. I do eligibility determination. So I am um, often the one of the first people you're dealing with as uh, an individual is first coming into our system and the CDDO um, intake and eligibility process. Uh, I, I basically just try to walk people through um, the entire system from uh, first returning the paperwork to uh, being determined eligible to uh, being determined functionally eligible and um, just doing some resource referral and um, coordination. Hi, I'm Stephanie Coleman. I am the Family Discipline Mentor and Family Support Coordinator at the University of Kansas Medical Center with the Kansas LEND program. LEND stands for Leadership, Education, and Neurodevelopmental and Related Disabilities. It is a mouthful, hence the word LEND. I also work at the Kansas University Center on Developmental Disabilities in Lawrence. As you can imagine, I wear many hats at LEND. We are a workforce development training grant. We have short, medium, and long-term opportunities and work with many different disciplines, including family and self-advocates, in training on autism and related disabilities and supporting families as a team. One of the community programs that I support is our Kansas LEND Family Education Series. Monthly, we provide different topics that are meaningful to families across the state of Kansas via Zoom and Facebook Live. If you can't make it to a live session, we are also archived them on our Kansas LEND YouTube page. LEND also works with various community partners such as the CDDO to provide important resources and support. That's great information there. And we're going to talk talk a little bit more about some of those resources a little bit later as well. Um, so I want to start with uh, Johnson County Developmental Supports. Um, many great resources there for families with children with intellectual or developmental disabilities. Can you talk a little bit about how we serve this population? Well, what we do at the CDDO is that we are responsible for helping people determine if they're eligible for IDD services. So Those are typically services that will happen after your child has become an adult. Um, We also, as Seth mentioned, he is in charge of doing the eligibility process. So the CDDO is with someone that has an intellectual developmental disability for the duration of their life from when they 
enroll in the program, they maintain eligibility, and then they um, are on the waiting list, which I'm sure we'll get into. And when they go receive services, when they receive those services, then we over, uh, oversee the agencies that provide those services. Um, currently due to COVID, we're still providing all of those services that we were doing before COVID. So Seth is doing eligibilities via webcast and Zoom to ensure that everybody who needs the services has that opportunity. We also have on our CDDO website, a list of resources that people can utilize during this time with COVID um, in regards to PPE and other dif different resources that are available throughout our community. For those who don't know what CDDO stands for, can you kind of talk about what that is exactly and how Johnson County serves in that role? Absolutely. Uh, Johnson County CDDO is a Community Developmental Disabilities Organization. And um, under the DDRA, um, the Developmental Disabilities Reform Act, they decided that the state was going to be broken up into CDDO catchment areas. And Johnson County is under contract with the state for us to be the CDDO, um, which that means that we are responsible for the oversight, um, eligibility, uh, ensuring quality services and making sure that everybody has a chance to live the life that they choose and that they wanna live in their community um, under the home and community-based services waiver. Okay, and we'll also talk about that too in a little bit here. Um, so another one of these acronyms, um, you know, there, there are lots of them and we'll, we'll try to, to make sure that we're, we're telling people what they are as we go here. But uh, one important aspect of this process is the IDD waiver. Um, can you talk about what that is and why that's important for, for families of children with disabilities? It's important we kind of understand the history a little bit. Um, these are These are individuals who historically have been um, excluded from living in integrated systems and, uh, and being in and around their home and community. Um, they were often um, put in institutions. Um, parents told, um, you know, he's never going to be able to live a normal life. You might as well just um, kind of ship him off um, to a state hospital, um, something like that. So, so we're, we're kind of, there, there's been this movement um, to, to keep individuals out of institutional settings and um, keep them into um, th their homes and their communities where they live, where they grow up, where their families are, where their friends and their peers are. Um, so that, that's kind of where the push is. Um, and so because the way the funding was set up decades and decades ago, um, where, where funding was really prioritizing institutional-like settings, um, states have um, now implemented what we call waivers. So, so um, a system that essentially allows um, states to kind of waive this institutional um, type setting and provide supports um, in an individual's home and community-based um, setting. So that's, that's, where, that's where we get this home and community-based services or HCBS for short. Um, yes, we do have a lot of acronyms. Um, so when we talk about the IDD waiver, that's just one of seven different waivers that Kansas um, 
has uh, instituted. Um, and so it, it specifically targets people with an intellectual or developmental disability um, who are likely going to need um, lifelong and ongoing support, usually in the form of um, some sort of staff assistance so that they can remain um, and, and live um, in the most integrated and um, uh, setting possible. That's a great summary of, of what this is really all about um, and, and what the intention is behind what we're talking about today. Um, can you talk a little bit about more why that benefits the individual and then also the families? And then Stephanie, if you can also talk to you about, about the community resources and, and how those play, play a role in helping families. I think that it really is beneficial to the person served um, with the intellectual or developmental disability because in previous decades, um, these people didn't have the opportunity to, for choice. They didn't have the opportunity to even pick a house where they would like to live um, close to their friends and family. And now this is giving them some autonomy back, um, which they deserve and they are completely entitled to. We have folks now who are thriving in employment opportunities and just really getting to be a part of their community like each and every one of us wanna be and how they deserve to be. Um, for parents, it's really great because when you're preparing for the future with any child, you start thinking about, well, what's gonna happen? Where are they gonna to go to college? Things like that. Um, if you get involved with the CDDO um, or an organization like Stephanie's with Lind, you can find out um, what's available. Cause I know parents a lot of times if they have a child that's born with a uh, developmental disability, they might get discouraged and down. And I think that we can provide some hope that there's different opportunities for when they grow up and they can live the life that they want to live. Um, and Stephanie, and I think the key is getting that word out to families for us. We want people to know and see if uh, their loved one is eligible. And Stephanie and her team play a huge role in that. Um, we do, we have so many good resources and supports and services in the state of Kansas. We just have to get the information out about them. That's what we try to do through the family education series is do separate sessions and include our partners in those conversations where we've had the CDDO come and talk. We've had our managed care organizations that run the Medicaid. They were also part of that organization. Um, I think families need to look at a individual's life and say, what supports and services do they need? and then start mapping those out and seeing what those are. You can go to your targeted case manager, which is a, considered TCM in the abbreviated world, um, and have them help kind of walk through some ideas of what else can support that individual to live their best life where they want to live. Um, we have resources like Families Together that can help with that information. Like I said, the CDDO and the targeted case managers, Kansas Lend, um, the University Centers on Excellence in Developmental Disabilities in Lawrence does a lot of research around supported decision-making and self-determination because it's really important for these individuals to be able to make their own decisions and how, how they go about doing that. There are 
some disabilities that that allow for more um, choice and freedom in making those sorts of decisions. So how do you um, help families kind of narrow in the, the best path for, for their loved one? To be quite honest, I think it's going to be individual for each person. They really need to sit down with their team um, of providers and say, what is best for Stephanie? What all does she need in place? Um, she might need the IDD waiver. She might need voc vocational rehabilitation or VR to help with employment services. Um, they may need day service programs or residential or college programs. Um, there are many college programs coming up throughout the U US that support individuals from a degree and non-degree seeking um, position. So it, it's really individualized. So it sounds like with all these resources, the goal really is to help an individual progress in, in whatever way that is, um, you know, whether it's with education or, you know, um, movement or, or things like that. And, and you all are able to, to help families figure out what the best path is. Um, so can we talk a little bit more about what waivers are available? So Kansas, Kansas has seven different waiver programs. And, and again, this gets very confusing, but when we talk about waiver programs, we're specifically referencing uh, Medicaid funded programs um, that help keep people that were traditionally institutionalized, again, out of institutions. So um, the, seven, the seven programs or the seven waiver programs that, that Kansas has um, include obviously this intellectual and developmental disability waiver. We have a frail elderly waiver um, for individuals over age 65. There is a brain injury waiver. There is a technology assisted waiver for um, individuals who, who need um, rely on, you know, some, some piece of um, medical equipment. Um, there is um, a autism waiver. Um, for, for children specifically who uh, meet the autism criteria. The severe emotional disturbance yes. waiver. So that's um, if somebody has a severe and a persistent mental illness or a severe emotional disturbance, that, that goes through our community mental health centers like Johnson County Mental Health. Um, and that was pretty good on that pop quiz, Seth. I think um, well, we missed oh, the, the last one, the, the physically disabled waiver. So, yes, that, that I think that brings us to seven. How do people know exactly which one they're, su they're supposed to be on? You know, each each waiver has um, their, their different set of criteria. Um, you know, obviously, for, for a waiver like the frail elderly waiver, that's, you know, geared towards individuals over the age of 65. Um, you know, autism waiver that that's geared towards um, children. I think you have to be under the age of six before you can get on that. Um, again, it is it's time limited. The the KDAD's website, the Kansas Department for Aging and Disability Services, um, they are the um, managers of these waivered programs. Um, so, so their website is probably the most up to date. Um, information for, for which waiver may um, a person may be eligible for and has that those eligibility requirements because the waivers do so not all of them. The IDD waiver um, is typically a lifelong waiver. So somebody gets on it and, and is usually on it. Um, 
for, for as long as they need it. Um, whereas other waivers, they're more time limited. You know, an individual maybe gets on the waiver and has to uh, progress. And once they show a certain amount of progression, then um, they either drop off or, or can transition to another waiver altogether. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would say um, definitely check out the KDADS website. Again, that's Kansas Department for Aging and Disability Services to see the, the seven different waiver programs and see if, um, you know, somebody you might be thinking about or, or possibly yourself um, qualifies for one of these waivers. And so can you talk again a little bit about how somebody applies to be on these services? And once once they are, what, what kinds of services, you know, are, are they immediate? Do they come, people come to you or are you having to proactively seek out um you know, different information or different programs? I'll start here and then uh, Seth can go into more of the eligibility. Um, with ours, the, the CDDO, we do um, oversight over the IDD waiver and that's the intellectual developmental disabilities. And some of the criteria are that it originated at birth um, and it manifests before the age of 22. So that's down syndrome, things like that, fragile X syndrome, different things um, of that nature. Um, that also differentiates us from some of those other waivers. Like Sept said, it's lifelong, um, but that disability had to start at birth or manifest before the age of 22. Um, we have a lot of folks right now who uh, I believe, you know, lived with their family most of their lives and now they're in their 50s and 60s and parents are getting older and, you know, they need to come and, and get services. So we try, we still have to have that documentation that it was before the age of 22. Um, it's expected this, you know, Down syndrome, something like that is expected to continue indefinitely. So it's not something that can be cured. Um, and it restricts the individual's ability to function in uh, major life activities, such as um, living independently, um, you know, self-sufficiency, self-care. Um, someone might not be able to express themselves through language. Those type of things um, are, is what this IDD waiver focuses on. And uh, we encourage people, and Seth can talk more about this, we are encouraging uh, children, uh, parents of children to start looking into these waivers um, as soon as possible because the, can the state of Kansas has an eight and three quarter year waiting list. So if you meet with Seth and you're, you do all of the paperwork and the eligibility and you get on the waiting list, you're gonna be on the waiting list for eight years as of right now. So we're strongly encouraging families to contact us and we can also help with um, navigating them to the right waiver and all of that stuff. Mandy, we're actually at two days shy of a nine-year wait, not to be um, overly negative here. Um, but that does, you know, that, that does highlight a, um, a distinction here is, is that that wait, that's not, that's not the case for all the waivers. Um, some waivers uh, don't have a waiting list altogether. Um, and that's just kind of the nature of um you know, how, how some of them are time limited and they kind of get you on, maybe you're on for six months or a year and you transition off that waiver altogether. Um, but because of the, the, the fiscal state of where the state is currently, that, that list, the, the IDD waiver has just kind of um, ballooned into nine years. And so, I, you, you know, I think it's, that's part of why we're doing this now is to get the word out. Just to, to be clear, 
that that waiting list is not for for all services. Even if you're on the IDD waiver and you're looking at a nine year wait list, there are services that are still available, right, to families who are needing them. Yeah, that that's specifically that that nine year wait. Once you're on the waiting list, that is specifically for the IDD waivered services. We do there are other services that you can um, take part in um, outside of the IDD waiver, and, and there we've got community partners and other stakeholders. We understand. I mean, you're a parent. Um, you you need the help right away. Um, a lot of times you're in day-to-day survival mode. It's um, it, 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 this, this process can be very complicated and complex and takes longer. I, I tell people it's less like, it's less like registering to vote and a little bit more like, you know, getting a mortgage and, and having to sign just a stack of paper of paperwork, get records from every which place. Um, so, so that's, that's, part of the reason why we're here and then why CDDOs were um, put in place to begin with because um, and folks and, and families need kind of that single point of contact and single point of entry um, to kind of help walk them through the process. So one of the services that you had mentioned, the, the home and com- community-based services, can you talk a little bit more about what that looks like and, and who qualifies for that? So once a person has been determined system eligible, um, we then look at their waiver eligibility or what we term functional eligibility. And that just is, is um, trying to assess whether or not they will actually be eligible for funding. 98, 99% of the time, if somebody is system eligible or they have an intellectual, they meet kind of the, the basic requirements of the, the uh, diagnostic criteria of having an intellectual or developmental disability, they're going to be functionally eligible. So the, the HCBS waiver, the Home and Community-Based Service waiver, that is the funding that is, um, you know, that primarily what people are um, up t- trying to obtain. Um, and, and the services on those on the IDD waiver specifically, these th- these are things that include um, residential supports. So you know we're looking at um, these services very widely, um, really geared around meeting the individual's needs. But th- this could be living in a um, in a group group setting with uh, two to five other roommates and staff may be there uh, 24 hours a day helping grocery shop. Um, helping pass meds, just providing some of that supervision, uh, getting people out into the community um, to do what they need to do to live um, very integrated um, lifestyles. Um, Another service is day day supports. Um, You know, like I said, a lot of people are in this, you know, maybe they've got a, a, a young one with uh, autism and they're just in day-to-day survival mode. They go to school during the day while mom and dad are at work and they come home, they gotta do what they gotta do. Um, but I, I try to get people a little forward f- thinking here. Um, you know, what about when when uh, your son or daughter is out of high school? Um, you, you know, maybe they're not interested in pursuing, um, you know, one of these higher education opportunities or uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, obviously they're not going to school anymore. So we've got day supports and, and again, varies pretty widely to ones that are really just community-based going out volunteering, going to public um, libraries and, and parks and um, just, just doing different things of that nature to ones that are a lot more vocational based. Um, 
So, so maybe they're working on interview skills um, or uh, different uh, work-related tasks and skills to try to get individuals in um, a competitive work environment. Um, and then, and then there's also in-home support. So, where maybe you, you've got um, a minor child who qualifies for the waiver, and their name comes up on the waiting list, and they can get staff support inside the home, uh, providing some of those supervision uh, needs while um, in the evening, weekend, um, whatever the needs kind of dictate. Again, there, I would say those are kind of the lion's share of services um, that that most people utilize. Um, some form of those. Um, the, the, the only other one I will mention here real quick is supported employment. So um, if somebody were to find competitive employee employment, uh, we do have a service where uh, they can get job coaching um, on an ongoing and definite basis so that they maintain their competitive job. When you uh, qualify for services and you get on the waiting list, uh, you automatically are eligible for having a case manager. A, what you will hear referred to as a targeted case manager, and Stephanie mentioned that earlier. And uh, that TCM is very helpful in helping you find those stakeholders, find resources, and um, which we'll discuss briefly. There's a, a way to get services before the waiting list nine years, which is called the crisis. Um, they can help navigate that as well if you or your family uh, need to pursue that. So their um, targeted case management will be something that's offered as soon as you're on the waiting list. And um, we encourage folks you know, to really look at their options. And again, the CDDO is here to help facilitate choice. So we give a list of all of the case managers in our community and families can interview them and pick the one that they think will meet their needs. Um, and then with the crisis process, um, that's a way that we can, if somebody is in a need right now for services, that TCM can play a critical role in helping. As mentioned, um, a lot of the folks that we're working with, um, they're busy and they have a lot going on and it's survival mode. And we understand that and we feel that that case manager role can really help with some of those those situations and get resources or help get the paperwork in, whatever it may be. So you mentioned the the case management role. So is that separate from a care coordinator? A care coordinator is assigned by the managed care organization. The managed care care organization is um, the contracting insurance company that um, holds the Medicaid uh, purse string, so to speak. Um, so they assigns assign somebody um, for individuals who are eligible for these waivers um, to, to kind of help manage their case on a more um, personal basis. Yes, but but this person um, is is not a replacement for the, the target case manager that a person um, can also um, receive through the IDD waiver. It's good to know that there are, there are many people who are there to support the families and the individual. And so it yeah. sounds just like a, another layer of, of help along the way. As a end user um, for my son um, is on the IDD waiver and he has a targeted case manager and a care coordinator. And how I look at them is the care coordinator is more um, around, as uh, Seth mentioned, the purse strings, but then anything that's really medical related. And then the targeted case manager is, is everything else. 
Um, and it really does help a family um, keep their head above water as they're working, trying to survive, living their lives, have other children, taking care of their families. They can ask their targeted case manager, hey, I heard about XYZ resource. Can you go and resource or research that for me and then come back with and let me know, does this work for my child? Um, so they're kind of a lifesaver in that respect too for me. And that was my perspective. That's great. And, you know, I think kind of the point of, of all this information that we're sharing is, is to help people understand what's available to them, um, to know that they're not alone. And, uh, you know, if you are frustrated in one area, there's, there's always another place you can turn to get some information. And so I, I also want to know, you know, are there, there kind of standard questions that you get from families who are initiating this process and don't know where to start? From a family support coordinator position, I get families coming to me all the time saying, what, I need help. Where can I go? What can I do? And unfortunately, I wish I could say, hey, here's the front door walk through this door and everything will be solved and held, hold your hand um, through it all. But there's not that person at this point. So as I talk to families and try to figure out exactly where they need, if they need to get on the IDD waiver, which many of my families do need to do that, I send them to the CDDO right away. As they've mentioned, um, it's two days shy of a nine-year wait list. They can get on at the age of five. I encourage families to do that. If they get to the end of the nine years and they say, we don't really need the services, they can turn them down. But in nine years, if you need those services, you're waiting another nine years. So um, I always send them there. And it just depends on what their needs are. I get a lot of questions around IEPs, um, which are individual education plans through the school systems. Um, my go-to partner for that is the Families Together um, Parent Training Information Center in the state of Kansas. Um, so it just really depends on what their needs are. Great information. All right, Seth and Mandy. One of the um, one of the big, I think, confusion uh, for for a lot of people coming through this process is is the the Medicaid piece. Um, how these are, you know, we've talked a lot about how these are Medicaid waivers to keep people out of institutions. Um, people come to us, you, you know, if, if you're familiar with Medicaid, you've, you know, at all, you, you kind of know there's, that you've got to qualify for Medicaid, um, which does involve a financial component. You have to remain under a certain resource limit to actually get Medicaid. Um, you know, so then people hear, well, well I, I don't qualify for Medicaid. How, how will I qualify for this waiver? Isn't that what it's funded by? How does that all work together? Um, you can be on the waiting list without having Medicaid. Um, you, you know, so yes, an individual will eventually have to qualify for Medicaid in order to actually receive those services. Unless of course they would like to private pay, at which point that is perfectly okay as well they've got the means to do that. Um, however, with the state, the way it kind of works is if you're a minor and your name comes up for, um, to receive funding, let's say somebody applies at age five, we get them on the waiting list. They don't have Medicaid yet. Um, then when they turn 14, again, they don't qualify for Medicaid. 
we, you go ahead and apply anyway. There's a box on the Medicaid application that, that indicates you are going to be receiving home and community-based services, at which point you get the Medicaid because that's contingent on you receiving those HCBS funds um, or qualifying for the HCBS service. Um, and then once you turn 18 and you're considered um, a legal adult separate from you know, your parents and, or your family, the, the responsible party, um, then you do have to meet those financial eligibility requirements. So yeah, it gets a little confusing. However, the, the bottom line is, is that you can be on the waiting list. You can still um, qualify for the IDD system and still be determined functionally eligible for the IDD waiver, even though you might not be financially eligible for Medicaid at the time. All right, that makes sense. And Mandy, any thoughts on this? I think that uh, Stephanie and Seth hit both uh, big things I hear right on the head. Um, you know, families have a lot of questions about if I'm eligible, if my family's eligible, um, do we make too much money, things like that. And um, I, I always just assure people to check with the CDDO, we can help with that. Um, families Together is a great resource for IEPs and Really, you know, parents will also ask, when should we start this process? And sometimes, you know, we don't start at five because I don't know of too many families that start thinking about their ch child's future at age five. So um, that transitional IEP, that's when families can really start working on what are, what are the long-term objectives that my child wants to do? And I think the great piece about our program, this home and community-based services waiver is, I don't think there's anything too big. If, if a person wants to get a job and it doesn't seem like they have the skills to get a job for lack of better word, um, the, the team, the, the case manager, everyone will work together to break those, those goals down into smaller steps so they can achieve those goals. Um, and yes, the, the insurance and all of that's very confusing. And we have can care that we can refer people to, and we'll try to assist as much as possible as well. Right. That's a lot of great information. And just finally, um, if you could tell people where they need to go to, to start this process. Oh, you can visit uh, our website at jococov.org slash CDDO, and that'll take you um directly to our, our, our website with all our contact information. Um, if you would like, you can call 913-826-2600 um, to start the intake process, or if you just have questions um, or um, you know, uh, want, want to learn more about, about this, what we've talked about today, um, you can also email the individual in our uh, office, my, my coworker, Gail Laurie, um, to start that intake process as well. Um, her email is gail, G-A-I-L dot lauri, L-A-U-R-I at jococov.org. Um, you could call me or email me as well. I think um, Mandy's always um, open to receiving calls and, and emails and after hours, uh, text messages, whatever you need. <laughs> That sounds good. And we'll, of course, have um, some links, maybe not to your home address or anything, but uh, maybe to some some helpful phone numbers and, and websites in the show notes of this episode. Stephanie, um, can you just wrap it up by telling us just a little bit of about where people can go to access some of the resources that you guys have? 
web address is a lot longer and I don't have it memorized, but I can tell share a couple of um, places. Like I said, on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, you can go to Kansas Lend, just put in uh, Kansas and L-E-N-D in the search box and it'll come up. Um, through there, you can always send us a message or um, ask questions. And then um, you can also email me. I do not work out of a, a office at the moment. I work from home. So the best way to reach me is by emailing me at scoleman3 at kumc.edu. That's S-C-O-L-E-M-A-N, the number three, at kumc.edu. And I always try to help families navigate whether they're patients of ours or not. I try to navigate them to the best proper resource. All right. That's perfect. Well, thank you all so much for your time and all the great information. Uh, I, I'm sure that our listeners will benefit from it and uh, receive the important information and services that they need. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JokoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jocogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.